welcome back to the next episode of the Manic Manor Podcast. This is Mitchie. For today's episode, I wanted to go over a case that's just had a recent breaking in it. Now keep in mind, since this has had a recent breaking, this is just what I have recently found out. So since this is going to still be ongoing, there is going to be updates that'll happen. Um, For those of you who may know this case... This has been covered on True Crime Daily. It's been covered by um, Morbid Podcast. This is the case of Brittany Drexel. Um, Forgive any background noise you hear. We've got some laundry going on today and my child wanted to be featured in today. Uh, So, as I was saying, this is the case of Brittany Drexel. So, let's get into a little bit of background about Brittany. She was a 17-year-old girl from Rochester, New York. Uh, Her father was John, um, forgive me for mispronouncing this name, uh, Kayaglu. Uh, I think it's a Turkish last name, so like I said, forgive me if I mispronounce it. I could definitely use some correction there. Um, the mother was Dawn. She was married to a man named Chad Drexel. Um, John and Dawn, they were young when they had Brittany. They were teenagers, and they had split shortly after Brittany was born. So, Dawn had married Chad, and it looks like um, Brittany also had two other siblings, a sister and a brother, but Chad was in the military, so they were moving around quite a lot, but when Chad was done with his military service, they decided that they were going to relocate themselves and put themselves down in Chile, which is a town just outside of the Rochester area in Monroe County in New York. Um, A little bit more special background on Brittany. She had this condition in her eye uh, called PHPV or Persistent Hyperplastic Primary Vitreous. Uh, It causes um, a regression part of the fetal vessels within your eye, so I'm not exactly sure what goes on with that, but I do know that they said that this can lead to issues like glaucoma or cataracts, and it can also cause, like, retinal tears or detachment. Uh, So, treatment is surgery, and if you don't have surgery, that can lead to the retinal tears or detachment. So, Brittany did have to have surgery, and uh, the most recent surgery that she did have was actually a year before her disappearance. And as a result of this surgery, she did actually wear... um, bright contacts, and these contacts actually made her eyes stand out and made them very distinct. And any pictures that you look of Brittany, her eyes are one of the first things that you really notice. That and her high sense of fashion. She was also known to be a very fashionable girl and very, very in tune with her hair and makeup because she was into cosmetology. And um, when you do research on her, it's shown that she either, excuse me, Pardon me. She either wanted to be a nurse or she wanted to be a cosmetologist. Um, And she was also a very petite girl, but she did um, love to go out to eat as well. So, with that being in the background, we're going to go into April of 2009. So, around April 22nd, Brittany had gotten into a fight with her mother, Dawn. Because she was wanting to go to Myrtle Beach with a couple of her friends for spring break to go on vacation. Now, Brittany was a 17-year-old girl, so 
you're 17, you're pushing that brink of 18, you're going to feel like you deserve some responsibility. You feel like you're an adult and you're going to want to go out and explore the world for your own. Everybody, every person's going to want that. And Dawn, being the parent that she is and being rightfully so concerned for her child is like, I don't know these people. There's no adult supervision. You could get hurt. I'm worried about you. Well, it upset Brittany, so she goes off, tries to calm down for a little bit. She comes back and tells her mom, hey, I'm going to go stay with a couple of friends for a little bit. Um, I'll, is that okay? Puts these friends on the phone, and so she goes and says that it's these friends that's up in this Roche- up in the Rochester area. Uh, to the mother's knowledge, it was going to be like this beach area that was in the Rochester area, not South Carolina. And it was a friend that she knew of. So she says, okay. Within a few days, though, Brittany is not at that friend's house that Dawn thought she would be at. She is in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And Brittany was going to keep this facade up by staying on the phone and keeping updates with Dawn up until the day of her disappearance. So every night she would get on the phone with Dawn and tell her, oh yeah, things are going good. We did this today. We did that today. We're going to go home. We're going to chill. I mean, it's just typical teenager things, and I think Brittany thought that there was going to be no harm out of that. She didn't think anything bad would happen, and normally you're not going to think anything bad would happen. So, they arrived, uh, yeah, it was April 22nd that they arrived. April 25th rolls around, Brittany had been messaging with her boyfriend. Now, around 9 o'clock-ish, Brittany stopped texting her boyfriend, and he starts getting worried. So, somewhere along that line, Brittany's boyfriend decides that he's going to have to call her mom. So, he gets a hold of Dawn, and he tells her, Hey, I've not heard from Brittany. I've reached out to her friends, and they cannot find her. And this is confusing Dawn, because Dawn thought... That Brittany was up in the Rochester area, thought that she was in New York. Like, what do you mean she's in South Carolina? So this puts her mom in a panic. Like, her heart drops into the pit of her stomach. So she's gathering up her husband, Chad. She's getting John, the father, all friends, all sorts of family. They are rushing down to South Carolina. They're putting out a search party. They get with the friends they're looking all over this place for her so per per Brittany's father he said that he was looking everywhere possible he was looking in alleyways and dumpsters empty buildings um, like per the mother any leads that they could have they were looking for her trying to find leads but they led nowhere And from the day one they started searching, when they learned that she had been there two days prior, Dawn was terrified that she could be lost in the water just listening to the sounds of the waves washing onto the shore. And her father had 
remembered a conversation that he had had with Brittany a few days prior, saying, you know, to him, what would you do if I had run off with a wealthier man? And he thought, well, oh my goodness, what if she did run off with this wealthy older man? So they were looking at any possibility where she could have gone to, and it was terrifying them. So they're looking everywhere possible, and they come across some footage of the last um, thing to see Brittany that was security footage catching her going out of a hotel of a friend um, in a tank top, uh, black shorts, because she was retrieving flip-flops, she walks out of this hotel and onto the strip, and this is the last that anybody sees of her. Now, police were able to obtain cell phone records. They were able to locate that her phone had pinged about seven miles south of Myrtle Beach around the time that she had disappeared, and it didn't ping again until a couple of hours later, around 11, 11.50, somewhere along that time. And then it was 50 miles south in McClell uh, McClellanville. And after that, the phone died. So the trail went cold for as far as phone records go. So they send out a mass search of people to trail this area to try to find her. And the people cannot find her. So that goes cold. And seven years pass and there's not a trace of her. Nobody can find her. Now, after these seven years pass, a man comes forward that's in jail by the name of Daquan Brown, and he was serving for manslaughter uh, on a completely unrelated case. But he comes up and he tells the authorities that he knows what happened to Brittany. And he tells them he witnessed Brittany taken by this man named Deshaun Taylor, and his account says that she was kidnapped, gang-raped, pistol-whipped, and shot. And when she was shot dead, they disposed of her body by tossing her into a marshy swamp area to be eaten by the alligators. So when they bring in Taylor for questioning, he adamantly denies any wrongdoing because he has no idea who Brittany is. And he even says he doesn't even know who this man is that's accusing him of these allegations. He's never met this Daquan Brown guy. And from the looks of it, where these allegations could have gone, because the interview that Taylor did with, um, I think it was True Crime Daily, was saying um, Taylor's father had been arrested for trying to abduct another woman in the same location that Brittany had gone missing in, but the charges that Taylor's father were given were dropped due to an alibi, and Taylor himself even said that he had an alibi. But, of course, um, Taylor was charged with an unrelated armed robbery, and it looks like um, he was even given a lot of hell and given a lot of accusations and stuff for this over the next course of years, even though um, there were a lot of leads and stuff saying that they couldn't charge him with anything due to a lack of evidence. So, another couple of years go by, and that brings us up to May of 2022. 
We are now 13 years into the disappearance of Brittany Drexel. The authorities come forward and say that Raymond Douglas Moody has confessed to the rape and murder of Brittany. Raymond lived in Georgetown, South Carolina, and per him, he confessed to abducting her, raping her, and disposing of her in the McClellanville area. If you remember, McClellanville was the area where her cell phone had pinged. So the police searched, and they were able to find the remains where he had led them to. And through dental records, they were able to identify the body as that of Brittany Drexel. So, with a positive identification, they did a formal thing charging Moody with rape, kidnapping, and murder. They listed on the arrest warrant her death as manual strangulation, but with this just being a fresh... Um, arrest and just recently having found her body it's probably going to be weeks before they actual, actually get a final cause of death um, they did say though Taylor who was a prior suspect he has been cleared and they don't believe anybody else who was initially uh, suspected is involved it was also said that Moody waived any arraignments so as of right now the defense and the prosecution are going to be going through all 13 years worth of evidence. So this case is still ongoing, so should there be any new leads, um, we will keep you updated. But I am glad that the family does get some form of closure. There's nothing more heartbreaking than knowing that your baby is gone and you don't even have a place that you can properly go and mourn your child. My heart does go out to Dawn, John, and Chad, as well as Brittany's siblings and all of her friends. I know this was not what they were hoping. I know that they were hoping and praying that she was out there alive somehow, but I do hope that this can somehow help them find a form of closure, and I do hope within the next bit of time that justice does come to light and Brittany does get the justice she so rightfully deserves. So, until next time, thank you guys for listening. If you guys have any other cases you would like me to cover, feel free to contact me on Instagram at Manic Manor Podcast. Um, you can also reach out to me on Facebook as well, Manic Manor Podcast. You can contact me via email as well, manicmanorpodcast at gmail.com. We have a Patreon set up as well, Manic Manor Podcast. If you have any other questions or any other cases or any comments, like I said, feel free to let us know. Uh, feel free to give us likes, um, give us a rating. Until the next time, you guys.